Hey, Drew, welcome to the Rising Executive Podcast. This is a podcast where we interview some of the world's best up-and-coming startup talent, and we ask them about things like leadership, management, and culture. So welcome, Drew. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. These are, uh, these are all topics that I'm extremely passionate about, so I'm excited to dive into them. Awesome. And for those of you who are listening, uh, this is Drew Brucker. He's the VP of Growth at a company called Lasso. Um, so Drew, there's a few things that I wanted to ask you about today. So I wanted, where I wanted to start was with goal setting. Uh, this is something that we talk about a lot internally within our own community, but we'd just love to get your perspective on this topic. So in terms of your current team and the team that you manage, how do you generally approach goal setting? Um, what, what frameworks does your company use and sort of how do you uh, think about cascading those goals down to your team? Yeah, you know, everything starts with you know, the, the bigger picture of what we're trying to achieve from a revenue standpoint, I would say, you know, and, and so everything sort of waterfalls or, or like you said, cascades from that. So, you know, I'd like to know, you know, what our roadmap looks like, what our revenue goals are, and uh, the different levers that we're able to pull to potentially get there, right? So it may not always just be about, you know, acquiring net new, it could be about upsells and expansion and, and renewals. Um, so I'm just thinking about the entire picture. Now, how that sort of goes down to my team and goals is I would say, you know, it starts at the company. What are we trying to achieve from a revenue perspective and how can we support that? So that breaks down into something like team goals for my entire team. Uh, I think it's important that we have, you know, probably one to three shared goals that are also aligned to revenue and uh, more importantly, probably have more of a direct tie to the revenue. So what are those big rocks that we're going to work on on a quarterly basis, which is how we sort of dive into things that we can share a vision on. And then from there, break into individual goals that also will support that, but could have a little bit more of an indirect impact to revenue. And what I mean by that is maybe we've got some content campaigns, right? And so by rolling those two, uh, more of a return on objective versus an ROI gets us the perspective of we're, we're making progress and achieving that goal, which rolls up to the team goal, which rolls up to the company goal. And so I think everything starts from the top, right? And just working backwards, um, you know, strategically and just thinking about how we can maximize the resource, the resources that we have available to get there. Yeah, and there are a couple of really interesting things you said there that I want to dig into. So first, you mentioned one to three goals that you generally your team sets, uh, which is interesting to hear because I think a lot of startup teams fall into the trap of setting a lot of goals, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. maybe five, seven, you know, however many. So it's interesting to hear that your team sets one to three, or you set one to three for your team. Is there uh, generally? Um, what's the logic behind that? Is it just you think it's better to keep fewer goals just to keep your team a little bit more focused? Like, what's the wh why one to three? Few, a few reasons, I would say, I, I like the idea of doing fewer. One, I, I think you have a more direct focus on those things, right? And, um, you know, if you get to a number, and I don't know what that number is, where it starts to be a little bit more of a distraction and things can fall off your radar, it becomes harder to make sure you're taking accountable measures week by week or even day by day, you know, uh, to choose the right things to do. I think in doing fewer, too, it also accounts for requests that can come that you that you don't foresee, right? So we get a lot of requests as a marketing team, of course, um, from other departments, right? Things that we may not see in advance when we set the goals. So we want to accommodate for having the ability and the agility to tackle those things while also still having plenty of time to, you know, 
rally around the big things that we need to achieve as a team. And so, you know, I think it's it, it really is the combination, you know, of both. And I just feel like if, if that number becomes too high, it becomes very unmanageable. I would also say it depends on, you know, maybe even the size of the company or the structure of the company as well, along with the goal itself, right? So for us as a marketing team, one of the main goals that we have that directly ties to revenue is a certain number of scheduled demos that we're trying to hit each quarter, right? And so in, in historically setting those benchmarks and looking at data, we can say, okay, inbound uh, demos are typically closing at X percentage, right? And we're gonna need this amount in order to essentially hit our revenue goal with an ACV of X, right? So it's, it's just, it's, it's more of a methodical approach and it directly ties to revenue. Now, if there are a couple of those, that all makes sense and uh, don't sort of stretch out this workload in an unmanageable way, then I think that, that also could work. So there are some variables, but I'm a big fan of really going deep on a few things. And I would just say the last component of that is in a small you know, company like we're in, in the startup environment, things change so quickly. You know, that's why we roll into quarterly goals. And, and I think what we found is even sometimes by the time that we set a goal into the end of that quarter, there is usually a little bit of noise in there from an individual perspective where it's like, damn, I wish we wouldn't have set that goal. Or, you know, this made sense at the time, but the way things changed and shifted, this no longer makes as much sense. And so you're gonna have a little bit of that anyway. Um, and so I think the, the, the more you can zero in and consolidate it, the better. Yeah, there's so many just great points that you made that I would love to dig into. So you mentioned the, the changing piece of the goals, which is that startups are sort of chaotic environments. Things change in mid-quarter, things can change. And if you've set a very specific goal, it may not make sense. So has that happened to you before in your career where you've set a goal and you've had to change it? And if so, how have you sort of, you know, managed that sort of shift with your the teams that you've managed? Yeah, I, you know, of course it's happened. You know, it's probably happened to to most people um, that would be listening to this at some point. So how do you handle it is your question. And I think, um, you know, the way that we like to check in on goals is to make them a part of a weekly discussion. So we have, um, you know, there are several cadences that we have or, or that I like to set as the leader of the team, right? I've got my one-on-ones with my team. I've got, you know, a deeper dive as a group uh, that we we use actually those those today where it's an hour long where we dive deep into goals, projects, and just all the nitty gritty details. And then we also do daily standups where just like quick 15 minute meetings. What do we have on our plate for today that we, we would love to get done? And so we're over communicating these things, right? And, and so nothing is falling off the radar where we've almost forgotten about it. We're talking about them frequently. Um, we're talking about them in a way that, that is very clear and aligned. And so I think just the more context that you have and the more frequently you touch on those things, the less uh, you know pushback you're gonna have from potential teammates where maybe something did matter, right? And it doesn't matter. So that's number one. Uh, two, I think you also want, you know, if you're if you're maybe going into an individual goal perspective, guide your people into those goals. I, I like to have my people on my team really craft the idea of what they think the goals are, their individual goals should be, and, and move them in the direction, right, to the final destination where they've decided that that's their goal. Not, not so much me, not so much anybody else, 
right? But you're, you're painting the bigger picture and you're getting to a point where it's a very consensus. You know, it's a, it's, it's a consensus thing. Um, and so I think as long as people feel attached to those goals, they're talking about them frequently, they're going to feel more aligned and compelled to go after them. Now, in the sense that maybe there's something that we set and we both thought was, was a great idea. Uh, it's just a learning lesson. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's a great way to pivot. I mean, you almost don't want to, there's a temptation, right, to almost change the goal uh, just so you can have somebody hit it. And I, I think I've, I've probably done that before, but I also don't think that um, that's probably the greatest idea either because you want to you want to hold people accountable, even if it hurts slightly, knowing that you did the right thing to try to get there. Uh, so I think that's the tough part of being a leader is you want to reward and incentivize someone knowing how hard they went after something, even if they don't get it. So there is a little, little bit of that temptation that's mixed in. Yeah, for sure. And I think the, the cadence piece that you mentioned is also really interesting uh, because I think that's a great formula to set a small number of goals and to check in on them frequently, right? So part of the struggle that a lot of startups have, I think, is they set too many goals. And the second kind of flip coin to that, flip side to that is they don't check in on them enough and they don't incorporate them into their weekly routine enough. Um, so it sounds like the cadence that you have is very strong for your team. Um, but do you think there's a such thing as almost checking in on them too much or too much context? I'm just curious because do, be. do you think it ever goes in that direction or do you think it's working well, like doing those daily, weekly meetings, like you said? I, I love the question because there is no um, out of the box formula that if I started a new you know, started at a new company tomorrow, took on a brand new team that I would incorporate this exact, you know, blueprint. I, I think leadership is fluid uh, in the sense that everyone is a little bit different. Every team's different. Every company's different. Every, you know, every company has different goals and aspirations um, and, and the timing in which that you have to get there. And so my thought is, no one's, you know, no one is born knowing exactly what to do as a leader. You, you, you really have to um, rest on your experience and have the aspiration to adapt and be better as you go along, right? Because I think, you know, when we first step into a leadership role, uh, you know, a lot of us don't know what the hell we're doing, right? We're, we've probably yeah. got a little bit of, you know, sort of imposter syndrome. We're trying to be, um, you know, fair and, but we're also probably being very insecure and scrutinizing ourselves in terms of how we're getting there. So you have to be vulnerable in the sense to accept that you may not know everything. And, and so the, the long answer to your, you know, to your question is yes, you know, but what, like, for example, our daily standups, um, that wasn't an idea that I had initially done. I'd never done that with a team. But in talking with my team, someone presented that as an idea, like, hey, you know, Drew, at a past company that's worked really well for us, we did these daily standups. And I think we're maybe we're at the point now where we've got so much going on, right? And we're trying to move fast that, you know, waiting for one-on-ones or waiting for a weekly group time may be too long to wait. And so what if we just did a, a quick and, and consolidated 15-minute, you know, touch point where we're just quickly highlighting, you know, the, the most important things that we're working on that day. And that was just a perfect example of like, wow, okay, how do we all feel about this? If we all feel great about this, let's, let's absolutely do it. So you, you don't want to force people into a position um, unless maybe you are absolutely convinced it's the way to go. But I think you need to check in with your team, understand the team, um, not just in their work capacity, but their personal lives, and really mesh that 
together and uh, be a work in progress. There shouldn't be anything that you're currently doing as a leader that is firm enough that can never change, right? You need to constantly be evaluating and auditing what you're doing. And so I'm very, you know, cognizant of how my people may feel about, you know, our, our touch points and we can always, you know, evolve or uh, a pivot if we need to. And if it's agreed upon as a group. Yeah, I, I love that answer. I think with a lot of these questions um, about goal setting, just about management, leadership, it's so dependent on the people in the context. So yeah, I, I completely agree that there's no stock sure. answers. Um, so one last thing I wanted to ask you about goal setting, and you kind of hinted at this earlier in your answer, but you said you set certain goals for your team that are directly related to revenue and some that may not be as directly related. Um, I'm curious to hear. So how do you balance setting short-term versus long-term goals, right? Because there are probably goals that are short-term that can directly drive revenue in this quarter, but there's probably also goals that you want to set that are maybe more long-term oriented, right? They might not move the needle in the short-term and they take a long-term to play out. So how do you balance setting short-term goals that drive revenue while also implementing long-term initiatives that might drive revenue in a year or two years, but not in this quarter? Yeah, the, that's a great question. Uh, I, I'm not sure that I've totally figured this one out. I, I think on the long-term side, and what I mean by that is I do have a, a, a strategy and something that I'd like to do, but I'm not sure. I'm still trying to feel this out. The way that it works out here is we we very much are aligning the short-term goals to the quarterly goals that that we're looking at from an individual perspective, right? So so those do do um, those do and are constantly being evaluated and talked about, et cetera. I think the long-term goals, right? Like we just communicate as a team and are very open about what those things could be. We almost talk about the ideas, the potential impact. We icebox those things. We sort of fit them in where we have time, I would say is the answer right now. Like, I don't know that there's an exact art form. And I think that's because in a startup environment, even the long-term goals you know, can change, you know, I, I, like the way the perfect example I can think of right now with Lasso is we've sort of taken on a, a, a community led growth motion in the sense that we know there is a community to be built here that no one has taken the baton on. It's a very niche industry. There's a lot of disconnect between the event companies and the event crew. They work together, but there's there's no real um, bridge that exists to communicate best practices, standardizations, insights, thought leadership. Um, and so, you know, our role is really trying to attack that, that middle ground and bring everybody together, co-create, start conversations publicly that they're probably having privately. Now that's a long-term thing, right? That doesn't happen overnight. Now I think that does break down, right, into all these subtasks and sub-projects that we're building on and building toward over the course of a year, uh, over the course of several quarters. And so we talk about those things on a quarterly basis. We talk about those things in our weekly meetings, right? If we've got projects, everything that we do is uh, basically going back to that DNA of we are community focused. Here's how we're going to talk to companies. Here's how we're going to talk to crew. Um, and here's how we're going to facilitate great conversations and share insights. And so the long-term piece of it, I think just, it breaks down and the residuals almost present themselves in our daily uh, efforts. And so I view it as like less of a long-term, it's almost like what we're doing 
every day that we're on this long path to eventually get to. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. So you have these short-term goals that you're driving towards throughout the course of the quarter, but there are things that you're doing on a week-to-week basis that impact these long-term initiatives and the sort of vision that you have uh, as a yeah, company. I would say that's I would say that's right, right? And, and the long-term goals may or may not have deadlines, but I think if we talk about them enough, again, kind of going back to what we were diving into in the initial question, like if we talk about them enough, um, we're making progress along the way and we're going to identify when and where um, you know that path or that journey ends, and so the, the community-led growth piece is a little bit more of a long, long term. But I mean, some of these other ones have clear deadlines where, as we get a little bit closer, right, we can chip away, chip away, and it's like, okay, we're here now. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And just one sort of technical question about how you kind of deal with goals on your team: Do you have like team goals that each person on your team is working towards like, as a shared team goal, or do you have like specific individual goals as well? Where where people on your team have specific targets that they need to hit. Um, Cause yeah. I know different teams do it differently. Yeah. And, and I don't, we've been, we've done both. Like we've, we've done it to where, Hey, you know, this quarter we're just focused on company and team goal. Um, but I think what we've also realized, right. Is like, what if we don't hit the team goal and maybe for some reason we don't hit the, you know, the, the, the company goal, you know, we want to, Yes, we have a big part in that, but we don't have direct, direct control of that. And what I mean by that is from an individual goal level, these things are meant to be more actionable in terms of tactics versus something that is a little bit more of a team goal or company goal. It's more about the strategy and the execution. And so I think it's important to give um both of those options, I guess, from that, you know, from the, the bigger company perspective, but also the individual. So people feel like they're in control as a person and they're in control as a part of a team and a bigger organization. Yeah. And I completely understand what you're saying there. So there's certain goals that are 100% your control, like more input oriented goals, like, for example, in the sales context, how many prospecting calls you make, which that's 100% in your control. Exactly. And, and sometimes revenue, that's not always in your control, for example, right? Like there's a lot of factors there. Is that kind of the dichotomy you're hitting, hinting at? That's, that's exactly right, right? So like if I'm thinking about, um, you know, our, our team goal, like schedule, like, so let's just go back to schedule demos. We know that we close at this percent. We know that our ACV is X and we know that we're going to need, you know, this many demos in order to close, you know, given our historical background, uh, to achieve, you know, what we need to hit. Well, that is, that's a big thing to break down. There are a lot of different marketing campaigns, channels, um, things that go out to roll up to that. And so that is, that is almost what we're doing every day versus something like, um, you know, an individual goal where I've got someone right now, right, that is owning the podcast. And so we can focus on leading indicators that align to certain uh, return on objectives that we're aiming for, right? So maybe that's converting people from offline, which we've got a lot of our ICPs that are offline and having them, you know, uniquely listen to our podcast or follow us on a social channel. Those are leading indicators for us. Seeing uh, branded keywords, uh, that volume go up. And so I think those things become much more tactical and actionable. And so, yeah, just going back to what we talked about, like somebody feels very encouraged when they can both control and then also have something that feels a little bit more um, 
fluid or ambiguous, not, not ambiguous, ambiguous is the wrong word, but it, it takes a little bit more creative thinking, a little bit more strategy, a little bit more of uh, imagination, if you will. And I think that's the beauty of marketing. Yeah. And my, my next question kind of relates to the next topic, which I want to talk about, which is just performance management, which is obviously just a massive topic, but we'd love to get some of your th thoughts there. But yeah. it's also, this question is related to goal setting and performance management. So you mentioned that there's goals that are sort of more input oriented, right? So in the, in the sales context, like how many calls do you make per day, for example, um, with your teams that you've managed in the past, let's say that they, they are doing everything under their control, the inputs, they're, they're doing all the sort of the leading indicators are all taken care of, but the results um, have been substandard, right? How do you deal with that as a leader? Is is that a more of a strategy question? Uh, how do you kind of approach that challenge where it's like you're doing everything right um, day to day according to your strategy, but the results have not kind of come in the way that you thought that they would? Yeah, that's a, that's a terrific question. I, th I think as a leader, you've got to take a proactive approach to um, not just kind of that that let that be a surprise at the end of uh, the period, right? Whether that's a quarter or a year, um, there should be certain things that you're measuring and analyzing frequently. So you've got, you know, sort of uh, some informed knowledge there to pull from, and you've got some an idea as to the way things are trending. Um, you know, I, th I think it's a great time, right, to dig in and reevaluate what you're doing. Um, the The fact is, the reality is, especially with marketing there are a lot of things that you're going to do that aren't going to work. You know, they're, they're, they're just, maybe they sound great, but they just don't work. Whether that's just uh, the reality of things not happening the way you thought they were. Maybe you don't have full control over it. Um, maybe the budget isn't quite what you need it to be, but there are just going to be some things that, that just aren't going to work for you. In fact, I would say, you know, that split is heavily favored towards things that don't. So, so how can you create situations where you can almost, what I would call do sort of like a minimal viable marketing, right? Where you can test things, fail fast, not go too deep, not spend too much time and get some sort of clear indicator that um, it's going to work or it's not going to work. Um, obviously the, the rest is pretty simple, right? You're not going to waste any more time doing things that aren't gonna work. You're gonna double down on things that do, you know, but uh, you know, the team needs to the team needs to really understand clearly why things aren't happening if that if that misalignment happens. I think that's the, the one caveat, right? Because you could get into a situation where it's like, hey, Drew, like I did everything I was supposed to I hit the goals. And then, you know, look, this this didn't pan out and I didn't get paid for maybe the company goals or the team goals. And so um, those things all have to be in unison. I'm not sure that there's a simple answer other than just staying on top of things day to day as a leader and being the advocate that your team needs to guide them in the right direction. Depending on the players on your team, some people are going to take control of those things themselves. Others are going to just look to you to provide that direction and that clarity in the communication along the way. No, for sure. And I think that makes a lot of sense, right? It's if you're doing, if the inputs and everything in your control is going according to plan, but the results aren't there. So, so it's important to reevaluate if you just let that run for six months and still nothing's happening, then that can become a major issue, right? Right. And, and depending on, you know, the, the size of the company too, which is just a huge variable for me because I, I've worked on a lot of smaller marketing teams or in smaller orgs in, in particularly in startup tech environments. And so things move fast and, you know, 
the, the faster you can identify those things, the faster you can try different things, you know, the better, because you can't go one week, two weeks, a month doing the wrong thing. You just don't have the ability to lose that kind of time. It sets you extraordinarily back because that's just in one part of marketing that doesn't account for all the other things that you're trying to do. Do you have new products that are launching? Do you have other initiatives that are shared cross departmentally that you should be working on? Um, and so that's just like one of the, the, the buckets that marketing has right now, which marketing has a lot on their plate. And so you need to not react, but proactively go after that and have a plan in place for when things do fail, because things are going to fail more times than not. Yeah, for sure. Um, so one other topic I want to discuss with you is performance management. So specifically, I'm sure in your career as a team leader, as a manager, you've had perfor- great performers on your team. Maybe you've had some people that have not been as great, just talent-wise, more generally. I just want to talk a little bit about your approach to managing both sides uh, of people. So for just the great people that you've managed before, what have you found to be the key to keeping those individuals motivated and keep them performing well? I want to align people's strengths and match those with the things that the company needs most. And if I can do both of those, if I can check the box on both of those, that's the ideal place, right? So if I if I've got somebody that is working on things that they're passionate about or they're you know, they're very strong in and that also is a huge need for the company, that's a huge win. Um, I think beyond that, you've got to, at least for me, you've got to get to know your people personally and professionally. I've been on you know, the side of the fence where I've had some really terrific bosses. I've had some really terrible bosses. I know exactly the kind of, you know, I knew before I became a leader, exactly the kind of manager I wanted to be, what I wanted to do versus what I didn't want to do. And so, you know, to keep great people, I think you need to not only give them the things they need here, but give them the things that they need outside as well, right? Does this align to their personal life? What do they have going on in their personal life that they're willing to share with you? How does this affect their lifestyle? What are their career goals outside of just work? Like what, what do they want? Where do they want to be? Um, what kind of situation do they want to be in? Do they have other creative outlets? Are they scratching those itches, right? Like, I just want to know as much as I can about the person because everybody's different. And so the more that I can understand them as an individual altogether, uh, the, the more success I've had. If I don't have that and I take guesses, that's where I seem to get in trouble, right? Like if I rush through an interview process, if I just look for certain things where I'm like, ooh, they can do this and this, and we seem to get along, you know, and, and sort of, you know, uh, lazily stumble through it. Those are the things that come back to bite you. And I think what's what's kind of awesome right now, too, is uh, you're seeing the evolution of the way people are networking happen right now on LinkedIn. Um, I just hired a head of content here at Lasso. Um, six months ago, I did not know this person. Met her on LinkedIn, started sharing content. We started kind of engaging with each other's stuff very thoughtful content leader and over time we developed a relationship and then when it came time that she was looking to make a move she joined the team and i already had a great understanding of who she is what she wanted um what her goals were right and so i didn't have to like uncover those 
you know, because I had already done a lot of that legwork in advance prior to even joining the team. So I think that's kind of fascinating. But, you know, at the end of the day, you've really just got to understand your people. You need to make enough time not just to be a marketer or be a sales leader, but to be a leader, not just do the marketing, not just do the sales, but be a leader. That's that's half of your job, right? It's not just um, putting revenue number, numbers up on the board. It's providing the, the guidance, the personal development, um, and the direction for your people. Yeah, I mean, that was just a great answer for so many reasons. But one of the common themes behind some of your answers, and which is why I can tell you're an amazing leader, is that you constantly think about it from the other person's perspective, right? So leaders are not, it's not about ego or about me, me, me. It's about what does my team want, right? What does my team like? Like just knowing them really well uh, and putting them in a position to succeed is a lot of what leadership is and empowering them, right? Um, but there are also challenges involved with that, right? So meaning in, in your career, when you have known your people and you've tried to put them in the best position to succeed, in the best roles to succeed, and they're still not performing well, they're not getting results, they're not executing, how have you approached that challenge in the past? I've, I've, I've come across this a few times in a couple different ways. You know, one of the, one of the more recent circumstances were they, they, were, they were a great worker, but it was is how they went about it. And sort of the, the rough, you know, the, the feathers that were ruffled within the organization to get there. Um, there was almost a little bit of this, this sacrifice of this person does great work, um, but they're maybe not the best organizational or team fit. So how, you know, is the, is the pleasure worth the pain? You know, and so for a while it was, right? This person does, did great work. You know, we were a lean team. You know, finding great people is hard in terms of people that can do work and the, the projects they were working on were pretty important. And so I bit the bullet on that for a while. And, um, you know, despite trying to get to know, you know, this person really, really well and expressing, you know, things uh, and just having really deep conversations just about what they cared about, what they wanted, there was just a clear misalignment there. And I, that's all it was, right? Some, some people you just, they've got a totally different experience they're pulling from than you do. And that's okay. It's just not a great fit. It's not, it's not a marriage in that sense. But I also made the mistake of going too far and letting that ride out probably longer than I should have because we were getting great work for them. But at the expense of what, right? Um, my team's morale, um, other you know, key stakeholders in the organization not having great um, you know, interactions with the person, the way that they would go about getting things from them. And so that was like, that was a, that was a more recent, you know, scenario that, that I had experienced. And I think that was very hard to finally part ways. But once I did, I, I realized the value of putting, you know, the team and the organization first um, and, and not doing it in a way of here's the work we're getting done, but here's the culture, here's the camaraderie, here's the, um, sense of relationship and, um, authenticity that we're trying to provide because, you know, you, there's a, there's a saying, and I, I have no idea whether the show is, uh, explicit or not, but you'd rather have a hole than an asshole. And I heard that once and it stuck with me because it's right, right? Like sometimes there's an addition by subtraction and uh, sometimes those are some of the hardest bullets to bite. 
for sure. I, I definitely resonate with that. I think it is tricky, right? When someone is performing incredibly well, but they're hurting the culture of the team. Yeah, I can see arguments both ways, but I think you're right that at the end of the day, especially on the cultural side, if it is impacting the team's productivity, or maybe it's not impacting the team's productivity, but it will in the future, it seems like it's a it's it's a difficult thing to be okay with, right? It is, and and like I think what I've tried to do, and what I've gotten much better at, you know, just in my time in my career, but as a leader too, is like really being less emotional, um, you know, and less insecure about whether someone or someone likes me or not, right? Like new leaders also feel, especially if you're just a genuine person, I, like I, I just feel like you want people to like you, right? And the, the truth is not everybody's going to like you, but can you get the right players in the right seats and have a good team dynamic? Like I don't need everybody on my team to like me. Would I like that? I would love that. Do I have that right now? Yeah, I think so. But you know, that's not always the reality too, especially if you got people that are guiding much larger teams. And um, yeah, so I, I think it's it's a very tough thing to go through and figure out. And yes, you could make arguments for, for either side. And I think I held on much longer than I should have on that regard because I had people telling me, um, man, you've got, you know, great patience and this and that and the other. And um, eventually that just kind of, you know, went by the wayside in terms of how this is affecting everybody. And what I saw too is right as soon as that happened, our team became much closer. You know, that subtraction actually added a ton of value and camaraderie to our team. And I didn't realize how much it was affecting me as a leader. Um, you know, to my original point of like trying not to be emotional, like I think I was wearing some of the stress and, uh, and uncertainty of that whole experience for a while um, and maybe not even consciously. And so by letting go, it just opened up uh, and gave sort of this this new reinvigoration for not only the team, but for me. Yeah, and really, and thank you for sharing that example. I think that really would resonate with a lot of people listening, a lot of startup leaders. That, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, Drew, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much. Full of tactical information and just also your vulnerability about a lot of the examples you showed. So thank you so much for that. You've been an amazing guest. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me on. It's It's been a pleasure sharing it. Thanks.